Thank you for listening to our messages online. At WCC, we are in a season of purpose. And today, Pastor Scott is in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. We're going to continue in our season of purpose. And I hope you have your Bibles with you because we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5 today. And we are making our way through this letter to Christians in the city of Ephesus a couple thousand years ago. But it certainly has teaching for us today, application for us today, and we're going to see that again. So grab your Bibles. If you don't have one, grab the one sitting in front of you. We're going to be on page 978 as we look at Ephesians chapter 5. We've been considering our God-given purposes, and we've been doing this uh, for almost two months now. We'll kind of finish this up next week as we finish up this letter, but we've been talking about why are we created? Why do we have this life Why do we exist? Why is God giving you breath in your lungs right now? And if he gives you life this next week, why? What are you going to do with that? And we've been looking at that, and we will continue to do that today. I've entitled this message, The In Crowd, The In Crowd. As I was doing that, I I couldn't help but think of some of the crowds that I've been a part of. Was I ever in the in crowd? And, And sometimes you'd think maybe I was. I can think of a lot of times that I wasn't. Just think back for a minute. How many of you say, man, I was not in the in crowd, okay? Yeah, see, most of us would say that. How many of you would acknowledge at some time or another you've been in the in crowd? You've been in any of those? And some of you are like, man, I don't know if I have. So most of you resonate with being left out of that crowd. So I was thinking back in sixth grade, there was an in crowd, and it was really if you had the right pants, all right, if you had the bell-bottom pants in the early 80s, you were, and I, I thought of showing you pictures, but it was just too miserable to see that. So, you know, I, but I remember my parents spending way too much money, and I remember they took us to the store, and it was like, oh, you're going to let us have these pants? And I don't know what was in their heart. Maybe it was like, oh, if we buy these for our kids because they've been whining and complaining, you know, maybe they'll feel like they're in the in crowd. And, and we kind of were because we wore these. And I remember one day after we're all wearing these Uh, bell-bottom jeans, this one kid comes to school one day with straight leg pants, and we're just like, no, and he was a cool kid, and I was like, what's he doing? It must be laundry day at his house or something. I mean, no way, and we were just all giggling under our breath, and and me being a little guy, I was like, I'm not going to laugh too loud because he'll pummel me for this, but it's like he's wearing straight leg pants. That is so uncool. Well, a couple years later, those Levi 501s that he was wearing, they became the thing. And then we were all wearing those for a while. And, you know, and I just remember thinking, how petty and immature some of these crowds were that we were a part of, or maybe we are a part of even now. Then I started thinking, well, uh, sometimes church sometimes feels like an in crowd. And some of you, if I asked you, do you feel like you're in the in crowd at church? And you'd say, no, but I know who is. And these people are in and, and I'm kind of on the outside. And I'm just saying it should never be that way. I remember being in college and some of my friends met some high schoolers who were from the same city I was, and they brought up my name, and do you know Scott Miller? And yeah, that guy's a jerk. And it came back to me that this was the story, and they said, why why are you saying Scott Miller was a jerk? And it was like, well, when we came to church, and we came a few times, he wouldn't talk to us. 
And he was, you know, this big snooty guy. Big, yeah. Uh, but, you know, a couple years older than us. And, and it, we, we couldn't fit in with the group. He was a jerk. I remember hearing that story and thinking, oh, that was never my heart. But sometimes that happens even at church. That, that's never our heart. If, if I could have gone back to that guy, it'd just be, if you only knew how immature and insecure I was. You know, my insecurities kind of made me not talk to you. It wasn't that I didn't think you were in. And, and I even thought about at church, sometimes we just feel like I'm not on the in crowd. And I'd say, if you just look around and just realize we're just as insecure as you, all right, eh, we are. And there's this challenge we all have to have is sometimes you just have to go out and introduce yourself. And church, people who might be here for a while and we might feel like the in crowd or seem to others like the in crowd, our job's really to go out and say hi to some others so that they don't feel this way. But there is this in crowd we feel in life. And I, I want to talk about an in crowd today, about an, a, a crowd that... The God has worked miraculously in order to bless and give us access into an in-crowd. I want to talk about an in-crowd in a positive sense today. Because God has miraculously worked so that there would be an in-crowd. And actually, you need this crowd. You might be so upset with certain in-crowds, but this crowd I'm talking about today, you need this in-crowd. What happens is that God includes us and he blesses us and gives us identity and purpose through the work of his son. This is the in crowd that I want to talk about today. That God has done a work to include and to bless and to give you an identity and to give you purposes that we've been talking about. And this is not just a cool crowd to be part of, but this is a crowd that has eternal uh, and profound necessities to you. The, this crowd you have to be a part of has eternal ramifications. It is profound. You need this crowd that God has provided for you. In the book of Ephesians that we've been going through, Paul has referenced being in Christ 30 times. One of the assignments I'm going to give you this week, and you'll see this on the back of your notes, I just want you to read through the first uh, two and a half chapters. And I want you to find the times where it talks about being in Christ. That we have received so much in it, this relationship with Jesus. We've been included. We've been blessed. We've been given an identity. We've been given purposes in Jesus. I want you to read that this week. Because what's going to happen is as you read that, it is going to empower you to live. There are days you feel like, man, I've got nothing in me to live. I've got no strength. But when you read this identity, what God has done to include you and bless you, it will empower you. It's going to empower you to rise above any situation that you're going through right now. And you will see the beauty of Christ. So this week, that is one of the assignments I want to give to you. I want you to read through the first two and a half chapters and see how you have been included and blessed in Jesus Christ. Well, let me give a quick review of our God-given purposes. We've gone through five in the last five weeks. And these purposes we will see again today as we look at Ephesians chapter 5. The first purpose we've talked about is this, to worship God or glorify God. Write this down if you would, to glorify God. You've got to know that this is one of the reasons you have life and breath in your lungs so that you would honor God, that you'd glorify Him, that you would live for Him. 
that you live no longer for yourself, but for your creator, your maker. He gave you life. He loved you as we've sung. And our response is to love him back with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. If you got nothing else, just get this. I need to continually offer my life to God in light of what he has done. As you again read those first two and a half chapters, you'd get done and say, my call is just to worship him and to love him with all my heart, my soul, my mind. You and I are also formed for a family. You've been born again into a family by the Spirit of God. Your job is to believe this. Many of you in this room have believed. And if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be included into this family. And after you are included into this family, the idea is that you would belong to this family, that you would connect, that you'd commit. Even before you leave today, would you connect with another brother or sister? Instead of just jet out of here and go, that was nice, but would you connect with a family member? Because you and I are formed for family. Third, you and I are to grow in godliness. God says, I didn't create you just to be a baby. There was a time where you were a spiritual infant, but you are growing up, and God is growing you up. And he says, work with me on this one. I'm growing you up to be more like Christ. I'm growing you in godliness, and your job is to pursue with God your own growth. A couple weeks ago, we looked at this, that you and I are shaped to serve, that you've been given experiences and you've been given you have passions in your heart and you need to step up and use your gifts you need to use your gifts and the experiences that God has given to you use them to serve one another and then lastly we looked at this that you and I are to move with a mission not only are we to be a disciple of Jesus, but we are to make disciples of Jesus. Not only are we to follow him, but we are to teach others to follow Jesus. And he's included you in this mission. Now, some of you didn't do this last week, and I don't know who, but I'm going to guess some of you didn't. Because I even heard in my own family that some didn't. But I said last week, thank somebody who invested in your spiritual rebirth or your spiritual growth. Uh, thank them. Call them. Write them. Do something. If you did not do that, please don't tell me because I'd just get upset with you. But just do that this week. Say, you know what? You have been helpful to my growth. And thank them. And then consider that you are called to live and move with a mission as well. Now, as we look at those five purposes, what I'm realizing that God is at work. He is at work in us. And this is the last Sunday I'm going to say this because next Sunday we're going to tell some stories. But I'd like you to write a 100-word story. I'd like you to consider how God has been working in your life as a worshiper or how he's opened your eyes to family connections and family commitment, how you've grown in Christ's steps that you've taken, how you've been served or how you've been able to serve, whatever it might be, and write this down. Write this down. I, I wrote another 100-word message yesterday. It was actually 97. It took me three and a half minutes. Just think for a bit. Get out a pen, pencil, and write for three and a half minutes. That's basically 100 words. And just write that with us. And then would you be willing to email that to our office? Would you, be, you can do this on the app and it will go straight to us. Next Sunday we want to share some of these stories. I'm just being blessed to hear how God is growing you. How God is causing you to be mindful of the purposes he created you for. And so anyway, don't write those out this morning. Let's jump into our passage. Ephesians chapter 5. Actually before that, can you go back one chapter to chapter 4? Chapter 4. 
because we're going to talk about this in crowd, that God has included us and blessed us. He's given us an identity. And I want you to consider as we read in chapter 4 some of the expectations of the in crowd or some of the responsibilities of the in crowd, how the in crowd lives, how those who belong to Jesus are to live. When I was in sixth grade and had those bell-bottom pants, you know, it was like, well, you can be a part of our crowd as long as you continue to wear those pants. There's kind of some expectations and responsibilities here. Let me read through some of these as we get to chapter 5. Chapter 4, let me read the first few verses. Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk, there's the word we looked at last week, in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility, as part of the in, this in crowd, live in all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Actually, if you start reading, he uses this phrase in Christ about 30 times, but he talks about the Holy Spirit 15 times in this, in this letter as well. He's saying it's not just that you were included in this, but the Spirit of God is highly involved here. Did you hear some of these words? Humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another. Go down to verse 17 if you would. Paul says this, Now I say, And testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles, the nations do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God. They're not part of this in crowd yet. Catch this. Because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. Their hardness of heart. They've become callous. That's not you, that's them. They've become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality. Greedy, that's not us. To practice every kind of impurity, that's not us. Verse 20, but that is not how you, the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. That's one of those times. Go down to verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath, anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. When those bitter seeds fall into your heart, take that out. Remove that from you. Let it be put away from you along with all malice and hatred. He's saying this won't fly in this family. This crowd that Jesus has included you in, this isn't going to fly here. Now catch this, verse 32. Be kind to one another. Tender-hearted forgiving one another as God in Christ, there it is again, forgave you. Now let me just look at some of those in verse 32. Be kind to each other. He says don't be kind just to kind people, but to one another. The reality is I know that you won't, we won't be kind with each other, but you be kind. Even if it's not coming back, even if it started as meanness towards you, you be kind. You see, the way we live is set by the one who included us. The way we live is set by the one who included us. Jesus said, I forgave you, you go and forgive each other. I was kind to you, you be kind with one another. You're in, Jesus is saying, because I made it possible. Now we get to chapter 5. Get to chapter 5. Therefore... He says, be imitators of God. Be imitators of God. 
This God who is so good to forgive you, you be imitators of him. This God who's been so kind to you, you be kind to others. Be imitators of God as beloved children. Here's kids. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You see, the in crowd here follows the one who brought us in. He brought you in and he says, follow me. You imitate me. The way I treated you in forgiveness, you forgive others. The way I responded to you, you treat others. The in crowd follows the one who brought us in. And he's so good. Now verse 15. Let's look at this in Christ crowd. We saw some of this last week. But I want to keep reading. Look carefully then how you walk or how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, the season, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. Do not act as if there's no God now or that you'll never meet him. Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit The idea, don't lose control with these things, but allow God to control you. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 21, look at this. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This in Christ crowd is going to be a submitting crowd. The Holy Spirit of God is producing this. He says, I've created you. I've included you. I've blessed you. Now this in Christ crowd that we're going to be part of, the Spirit is producing you a submitting type of person. Don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought. Look not only to your own interest, but to the interest of others. And he's talking about the word submitting here. Let's consider this word, submitting, ultimately to the leadership of Jesus. Every one of us who've been included into the family of God are now called to submit even to one another out of reverence for Jesus, ultimately to the leadership of Jesus. Submitting, that's not a popular word in our culture, but it's a biblical word. The idea here is that submitting is deferring to another's leadership. Deferring to another's leadership for the health of the relationship, for the harmony of the relationship, and ultimately out of reverence for Christ. Verse 21, look at this one more time with me. Submitting to one another. This is how the in Christ crowd is going to live. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is where we're looking at Christ. Now, as we read these next few verses and we listen to these following passages, I want you to hear what is being said about Jesus. I want you to hear about what is being said about Jesus, the one to whom we submit. You're going to hear the word Christ a few times. This means anointed, or it might come out as Messiah, but it's the one that God anointed and said he is the promised one, and he's the one I have anointed and blessed. That's the word Christ. You might hear the word Lord at times. It means master. This is the one you are to obey. And so you'll hear some things as we read the next few verses. Some of you will want to say, preach it, all right? Just hold your tongue on that. I, I, I love participation, but just some of you will want to say that. Uh, hold your tongue. Some of you will want to say, no way. I'm going to say, hold your tongue on that, too. 
But what I want you to do is I want you to hear the word of God written to Jesus' followers and look to apply it to yourself while hearing what is said about Jesus. The first context he speaks to is that of wives and husbands. Now, some of you are saying, well, I'm not a wife or a husband. Listen, again, don't snooze right here. We're going to hear about Jesus and our response to him. But let me read to you the next few verses, starting at verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Let me stop there for a moment. Speaking about the role of the Christian wife, there are some Christian wives in this room today. This is part of the in Christ crowd. Christ brought you into this relationship. He did all the work, and some of you are Christian wives. But really, this relates to an even greater picture. And there's a time to discuss what all of these two, three verses mean. There's a time to say, what about this and what about this? And I don't have time to answer all of those today. And I know that a passage like this has been abused for a couple thousand years even in the church. But what I'd like us to see in this is we're considering our roles and expectations in relationship to Jesus as part of the in Christ crowd that the Holy Spirit is producing. Now you know this, there can't be too many cooks in the kitchen, right? Sometimes it doesn't matter who's cooking, just get out of the kitchen, let me cook. I can't have too many leaders in here directing. What the Apostle Paul says, in the same way, there can't be too much leadership, too many cooks in the kitchen, even in the marriage. And especially in the life of the body of Christ. There's only one cook in the body of Christ, and that is the head, Jesus Christ himself. Go back to verse 22, and let me read these again. Wives, Christian wives is who he's talking to. Submit to your own husbands, not necessarily to every man out there, but to your own husband as to the Lord. You submit to the Lord, submit to this husband of yours. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. Don't lose sight of this, that Christ is the one who leads his church, his body. He's the savior of it. Verse 24. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. This is one of the roles in relationship to Jesus. Let's go to verse 25. Because he says, husbands, I've got a message for you as well. You love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he may sanctify her, and having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he, that is Jesus, might present the church, that's us, to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she, the bride, us, might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. The idea is, husbands, anybody, when you're hungry, what do you do? You feed yourself. When you're cold, what do you do? You, you clothe yourself. No one hated his own flesh. Just as Christ does for us, the church, because we are members of his body. 
He's saying, you know what, this is the role of the Christian husband. It's part of the in Christ crowd. And this is, this is speaking of an, an even greater picture. It says, husbands, Christian husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. This means more than saying, yeah, I'd take a bullet for you, honey. All right? It, it means much more than that. It means would you pray with your wife? Would you pray for your wife? Would you do everything in your power to present her holy and blameless before God? Would you take care of her in that way? Yeah, you'd love her by spending money on her, but would you love her by spending time with her and sharing your heart with her? Would you help her grow? Because this is what Jesus did for us. Now, I know the typical thing's going to be, oh, I wish my husband's listening to this, or I wish my wife's listening to this, or I'm just going to say, you're listening to this. You're here. You listen to this. What's this say about your role? What's this say about Christ and the church? Verse 31, he goes, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And he's tying this all the way back to the early uh, parts of Genesis. Verse 32, he says, This mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. What you hear is marriage, but I'm talking to you about a great mystery, and it's really God and the church. The mystery is that there is God, and he has this bride called the church. This is really what I want you to hear. Yeah, there are some roles to play Christian husbands. There are some roles to play Christian wives. But what I really want you to hear is this great mystery that God has this bride called the church. See, you thought when you got married, oh, I'm going to get somebody to cuddle with, and I'm going to get somebody to cook me pancakes on Saturday morning, and I'm going to get somebody to hold my hand and have walks with, and you have found out that a lot of that did not happen, right? He's like, marriage was always bigger than this. Marriage was a mystery. This idea to point you to a God who had a marriage relationship, a covenant to his church, to us. Where the bride, us, respectfully submits to the groom. And the groom, he sacrificially loves his bride. You see, God and Jesus, his son, modeled this ideal marriage. Selfless love. Respectful submission. You see, Jesus, he was equal with the Father, but he said, you know what, there's a time for a Father, I'm going to defer to your leadership. Your will be done. I only do what you tell me to do. I will, yeah, we're equals, but I'll defer to your leadership. He says, I, I want the church to know that I, I sacrificially love this bride, and this bride, us, we are to respectfully submit to Christ. And to one another. Verse 33, it goes on to say, However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. He's saying it's going to be best for you if we get along. And in this Christ crowd, don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought. Look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Again, I, I think some of you might be going, well, I'm not married, or I don't plan to ever get married. Or you know. Listen, the groom selflessly loved. Praise him. 
And the bride, us, is to respectfully submit. Paul's not, Paul is speaking to these relationships, but he says, I want you to see a much bigger picture on who you are to respectfully submit. Go back to verse 21, if you would. And we, as we respect and submit to God, verse 21, we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. He goes on and talk about this is seen in context with parents and children. Go to chapter 6 with me, if you would. Let me read a couple of these verses. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Verse 2, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. He's taken them back now to Exodus chapter 20, where we see the Ten Commandments. That it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. And fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline, training, and instruction of the Lord. Now again, some of you might be sitting here and say, you know what, I don't have kids in my house anymore, this doesn't matter. Or some of you might be saying, you know what, Uh, uh, my parents are gone, I don't have to do this. You do have a father. You do have a father. You do have a father that you are to obey. You are included in this in Christ crowd. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. You do have a heavenly Father that is to be honored. Verse 21, we are again submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then he talks about this being in the context of employers and employees. Read verse 5 with me if you would. Bond servants, ones who have given themselves up for to serve another. Obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Serve your boss in essence as you would serve Jesus himself. Verse 6, not by the way of eye service, not as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ. This is how you go to work. This is how you go to work. I'm actually serving Christ. I'm committed to him, and I'm going to serve him, doing the will of God from the heart. Verse 7, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, that this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bond servant or is free. Verse 9, masters. We might call this employers. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. Again, I think some of you, when we read these passages, like, "Ah, I'm nobody's servant. I'm retired. I I work for myself. I don't work for anybody. I'd say, no, 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 no. You're missing the point. You do work for somebody. You work for Jesus Christ if you've been included into this Christ crowd. Or some of you say, you know what? I'm not a boss. I'm just a peon at work. No, you you are. Because when you go out to eat, somebody's serving you. When you go get your groceries and you check out, somebody's serving you. How are you treating them? We are all of these. And the in Christ crowd says, okay, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. I'm looking at this passage and I realize, okay, I've been included 
by the work of Jesus. He includes me and he's blessed me. What's my response? Submit ultimately to him. In all of my relationships, I'm submitting to him. In my relationship with him, I walk with him, submit that he's my father. I'm a husband. I submit to my wife and, and I love her selflessly. My kids, the church, every environment as if I am truly submitting to the Lord. As I was looking at this passage, what stood out to me is that in Christ, I'm included into a divine marriage. Some of you, again, are thinking, ah, I'm never going to get married. No, you are in a marriage. You are in a marriage. There was a groom who selflessly loved you. This is Jesus Christ. He has done this. You have one who is sacrificially loved. And you are to humbly submit. And if we stop there and just consider it, I'm in a divine marriage. I'm in a covenant relationship. I am loved for all time. That would cause us to worship. <laughs> we would just stop there and just say, wait a second. I have been loved by the greatest lover of all times. I have been loved with an everlasting love. It is now for all time. That causes us to worship. That's living out our purposes. I have been included into a divine marriage. Some of you are so frustrated in your current marriage. Some of you are just burnt out by a previous marriage. I want you to know that you are included into a divine marriage. Let that cause you to worship. Let that cause you to, I've been included. Let it make you a better husband. Let it make you a better wife. Let it make you better single knowing that you are in this divine marriage and let it cause you to worship and just say thank you to, to God be the glory. But not only in that is, do I see that, in Christ I'm included into a divine family. In Christ I'm included into a divine family. I have a father who loves he does not treat me as my sins deserve. And I'm humbly to submit to dad. I'm in a divine family. Again, some of you would say, man, I have no family. Mine was a dysfunctional family. I'm mad at my family. Consider this great divine family that you've been a part of, that there is a father who loves you. And you, by the work of Christ, have been included into this in Christ crowd. It's a family. And hopefully it would cause you to be a better dad. Hopefully it would cause you to be a better mom. Hopefully it would cause you to be a better child to your parents. Hopefully it would cause you to be a greater grandparent, but you are included into a divine family. That should cause you to worship. That should cause you to say, I'm going to give my life to all, to, to the Lord. That should cause you to say, uh, I'm, I'm connected to a family? Then I don't just leave here Sunday after I've consumed a few things. Then I'm going to connect. I've been included into a divine family. That I would connect and commit. Hopefully it would cause you to grow and say, you know what? I'm not going to just be a baby in this family. I'm going to grow up and be an adult in this family. And I'm going to be able to bless others in this family. Hopefully it would cause you to want to serve those in your family. And say, I've been part of a family to serve. But as I look at this passage, I also see that in Christ I'm included into a divine work. A divine work. I have a master who directs me. 
And I am to humbly submit. Is when I and when I consider the work that I'm called into, and some of you would say, "No, no, no, I'm unemployed." Oh, you might be for a season. You may be the boss. You may be the the coworker. You may be the employer, the employee. It doesn't matter. You've been included into a divine work, and you have a master to submit to. And that should cause you to worship. God included me. God put me on the payroll. God's going to bless me. God would let me be part of this family. God would give me abilities to serve. God would give me a mission to move on to. These tie into our purposes greatly. Worship, belong, grow, serve. Move missionally to live out these purposes as ones who've been brought into the Christ crowd. We've been included. We've been in. We've been blessed. We've been given a new identity. And I'm going to ask you to consider this question: What is God saying to you today? What's He saying to you? And he might be talking to you as a husband, as a wife, as a mom, as a dad, as a grandparent, as a kid, as an employer, as an employee. But hopefully he's speaking to you as one who's been included into a divine family. One who's been included into a divine marriage. One who's been included into a divine work. And and I'm just going to ask that you bow your heads with me and reflect for a moment. And if you'd even ask the Lord, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? And he might say, yeah. Work on your marriage. And consider the great marriage that I've included you in. And he might say, work on your family. Invest in your family because I've included you into a great family. You are part of this in crowd through my son. He might be talking to you about a work setting and he says, yeah, be a better employer or a better employee. Or, but understand that you've been included into a great and divine work with much purpose. So submit to your husband, God. Submit to your father, God. Submit to your Lord, Jesus. Submit to him. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word and how it speaks to our specific roles but it gives us a grand picture. And it will empower us as we look at this to understand, I I got in? I got into the perfect marriage? Yeah, you did through my son. I got into the perfect family? Yeah, through my son. I got into the greatest work imaginable? Yeah, absolutely, because of my son. God, would you cause us to worship you? Would you cause us to see that this fuels our purposes?
And we will say to you, to you be the glory. To you be the glory. Thank you for listening. We hope that you were both encouraged and challenged by this concept of submission to Christ in your life. 